Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Good Tuesday morning. You heard Stephen A. Smith there at the very top say it led to the postponement of an NBA game, which is true. The Nets and the Wolves did not play yesterday, but it also led to the postponement of a Major League Baseball game. The Red Sox and the Twins and in the National Hockey League with the Blues and the Wild, all of those taking place or set to take place yesterday afternoon or evening in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul area. But obviously what happened about 10 miles north of Minneapolis in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, with 20-year-old Dante Wright, a father, by the way, of a two-year-old child, which is something that has not been brought to the surface as much. Everybody's got a story. Each individual has a story. So I wanted to make sure we put the spotlight on that individual and everything he and his family are going through at this moment. Chris Canty, the Super Bowl champion, joins us. He'll be with us for the duration. It's great to have Chris in alongside Keyshawn Johnson. I'm Zubin Mahenti. It's Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Goodyear Hotline. Jay is on paternity leave. He is now a father of two. His first boy, he's already four days old. He's already dribbling with the left hand. Ready to go. <laughs> he's already working on that stuff. Got to go left, right? Oh, yeah. It's always Absolutely. go left. Paternity <laughs> leave. Interesting. <laughs> he Stop, will not G. let that one go. Just let that I'm go. just saying for Jay, maternity leave for Jay. I We'll have Jay He's not on here. board with the concept of yeah. fraternity. But yeah. to, to shout out to Jay, the ultimate point guard, the assist man. When Keem and I were away, Jay was here every single day. So mm-hmm. props to Jay for that. Every single day is where I want to start with you, Chris. Key had some very strong comments in her first hour. And you can check it out in hour one of the podcast, wherever you get your podcast on Key's thoughts on what happened here. You know, just 10 miles away from where Derek Chauvin is on trial and probably a verdict coming in the George Floyd murder trial this month. But every single day is something you got to keep in mind because no matter what the adjudication, Chris, is in the uh, George Floyd situation with Chauvin on trial, whatever happens here moving ahead with the police officer, whatever happens here with the right case, this is going to be an every single day phenomenon because when that trial is over in Minneapolis and whatever happens with Mr. Wright's situation, the officers that chose not to help George Floyd, they're going on trial. Mm -hmm. All of them, the three other guys. So it's aiding and abetting. That's going to take place later this year. Next month, we're going to come upon the one-year anniversary of that moment where the knee went on the neck. That was Memorial Day, May of last year. So while these are incidents that are happening in one area and incidents that are independent of each other, these incidents are linked and will continue to be linked moving forward because even if there is any sort of resolution or verdict, now comes more cases in court, now comes more cases in terms of examples of what happened, and it all will lead to a crescendo of Memorial Day 2021, one full year since 8 minutes, 46 seconds. Yeah, Zubin, you mentioned the Derek Chauvin trial, and it feels like it's more than that's on trial than Derek Chauvin. It's almost like our criminal justice system is on trial. Policing is on trial. Just because we're seeing issues with accountability with law enforcement, particularly when it comes to the escalation of violence with unarmed black and brown Americans. And something about that has to change. And then when you watch what took place on Sunday afternoon with Mr. Wright, it's just another one of those instances that's caught on video on the officer's body cam that's hard for black and brown Americans to process. 
Like we're trying to understand why our race, why our color is being weaponized against us. It just doesn't make any sense. And when you look at that in contrast to what happened at the Capitol early in January, we don't understand why the officers in that situation can use a level of restraint. And yet when we have routine traffic stops, we're talking about black and brown people losing their lives. I understand that there are different situations. They're not necessarily apples to apple, but... At the same time, we, we still conceptually don't understand why there's disparity and how we're treated by law enforcement by versus how our white counterparts are treated. It, it uh, you know, as I, as I said to you before, Zubin, it's amazing that we continue to have these conversations over and over and over and over and over and over again. It's like one after the next, after the next, after the next. And you look at 10 miles away or uh, in, in Minnesota – you got one case that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. You would think that the police department, officers, th- that's going on. So it's conscious in their mind to take the training, the necessary steps to de-escalate situations. But they fall right into the same thing mm-hmm. and the same actions. It's right down the street from you. Like in, in, you don't ever really know what's going on in the minds of people in, in a stress situation, but you train in certain situations to act a certain way. Uh, you think about black, brown, white, whatever color, it doesn't matter. A person shouldn't be shot dead because they're pulled over for a minor fraction, a citation. It just shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't happen. And, and being black, it scares the you-know-what out of me. It, it almost makes me feel like I don't even want to drive. It just, it just makes me feel that way. Like, I'd rather just walk. Because every time a car, a police car gets behind you, you start to break out into a cold sweat. Even yeah. though I ain't doing nothing wrong, man. Yeah. I know I ain't doing nothing wrong. Ain't nothing illegal going on with me. But I know, for whatever reason, that feeling is just mm-hmm. so eerie. Mm-hmm. And I and I talked to you at the beginning of the show, doing the doing the um, the before our show. Uh, you know, a couple of months ago, I got pulled over near my near my house with my family in the car. I made a left turn, and I guess you know, trying to understand the New York signs, I made a left turn when I was supposed to make one. Yeah. Okay, I got it. That, that's illegal. I get it. I got pulled over, but. When I got pulled over, I'm like, what the hell did I get pulled over for? Yeah, you, should, you shouldn't have that inherent like, fear. And I'm with my kids. Yeah. I done rolled down all the windows. I told Zubin, I said, man, I rolled down all the windows. I want him to see that my family is in his car with me. Yeah. But, and I shouldn't feel that way. I was just like, what the hell am I being pulled over for? And then once he explained to me, I made a left when I wasn't supposed to make a left. Or I made two lefts or whatever it was. And I was like, okay, I get it. I, I understand it, but you know, I'm watching it. I'm watching every move as my wife hands me everything, the license and the registration and stuff. I'm like, I'm watching him because I don't know. I'm I'm trying to see if he getting ready to call back up. Like what's his deal? And I shouldn't even feel that way. I should just feel like, okay, I'm getting pulled over. I'm getting a ticket. I'm going to move on like everybody else. But I did not know. Yeah. A traffic stop shouldn't invoke that type of emotion from no. you, but that's, that's the reality 
of being a black man in America. That's what you feel. And we saw another person of color that happened to be a veteran yeah. go through a similar experience a couple of months ago in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Second Lieutenant L- L- Nazario, he went through that similar experience and he complied with all of the commands of the officer except for getting out of his vehicle. He ends up getting pepper sprayed. Now, see, th- those are the types of things that, that, that make it tough for black and brown Americans to trust law enforcement. And here's the thing. I don't want to get into a situation where I'm cast, castigating all of law enforcement because they have a tough job. Yeah, and they there do. Are, and there are a lot of good police officers in Tons this country. Of them. Tons but of them. But there are also police officers that overstep, and they make it inherently more dangerous for the officers that are just trying to do their jobs every single day. So from a solution standpoint, we all need to come together and be able to try to find a way to have more accountability when it comes to law enforcement engagement with our citizens, particularly citizens that are unarmed and not posing an immediate threat to anyone else. I just, you know, as as I sit and I think and I thought last night as I watched a lot of you know, news and set up and stuff, to not, you know, you train and you, you know the difference between a taser versus a gun and you trained at it. How do you not know these things when you're when you're saying tase but yet and still you got your firearm in your hand it just there's a difference between how a taser feels and how a pistol i would feels. think so there's a difference i would think but not only how it feels it's within your sight line you see it in your hands like you see it like clearly the video that i saw yeah i'm not an expert but Damn, I see the gun. But you just said you're not an expert. We have a guy that apparently is here in police officer training, and he's going to give us his expertise. We always welcome you. If you've got a strong opinion on anything, always give us a call, 888-SAY-ESPN. The guys have been passionate about it since we got on the air here with Chris at 7 a.m. Eastern. John in North Carolina, you're on ESPN Radio. What can you add to the conversation here? This is one of the biggest problems in America right now. And basically what happens is your taser is on your left side, your gun is on your right side if you're right-hand dominant. If it's the opposite, then your gun's on your left hand, your taser's on your right side. You should never, ever confuse the two. But to what uh, I think Keyshawn or either Canty was saying, you can get them mixed up if you put them on the same side because once you grab it, they feel exactly the same because it's a handle. You pull it out. And you can't, re- you don't recognize what you got because it's they're both the same color, they're black, and they're shaped just like a pistol. So that's why in North Carolina you're supposed to keep it on the opposite side of your dominant hand, so you won't shoot. And to to do with the traffic stops, a lot of times uh, people don't listen. John, just like John, they want to walk away. John, can I ask you something yes. though about the taser? Mm-hmm. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. Tasers have a color substance on it in plastic to some degree. Am I right? They they have like a a, a fluorescent yellow or green, not completely black like a firearm? No. Well, some come in yellow. I've seen yellow ones, but mainly they're all black. Okay. The prongs that come out of the taser are different colors, but you can't see them until the uh, end of it opens up and the prongs come out to actually stick into the body to apply the charge. Mm, okay. And the the difference in the colors are how many feet you have between you and the suspect. Okay. Thank you, John. Really appreciate the expertise and the inside. And lastly, I would just say that the officer that did accidentally discharge a weapon, she had been on the force for 26 years. So 
Experience is one thing, 26 years on the job. On the way, you've heard this refrain so many times before. The Packers are holding Aaron Rodgers back. Hang on a second. (laughs) Is Aaron Rodgers holding the Packers back? We'll explain next. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio and streaming on smart speakers everywhere. We will know 30 days from today exactly what the Green Bay Packers' thoughts are when it comes to Aaron Rodgers long-term. That's the first night of the draft, okay? Don't you guys want to ensure, though, that he's your quarterback beyond just this season? This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. just really unbelievable we're going to get into this with Aaron Rodgers but when you just step back and take a look at the 30,000 foot view uh who doesn't want Aaron Rodgers to be the quarterback of their team apparently long term it's the team he's with now and that just we need to sit there and let that marinate for one second Aaron Rodgers is about to get paid y'all need to stop Canty might have a little bit of a different opinion. Let me set the stage. It's Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin with Chris Canty in the house. A couple Super Bowl champions with me. We're with you here. Heineken Riverdeck at Pier 17. Now, this is always dangerous because, fellas, you know it. We're going with the always anonymous source. <laughs> okay? So just take that for what it is. An anonymous agent on the Aaron Rodgers negotiations, as Key said, He's looking for a huge payday. He is the reigning NFL MVP, of course. Here's the agent's take. And agents, of course, never have any skin in the game. So this is, I'm sure this is purely objective, but here it goes. <laughs> Quote, it's screwing the Packers in a lot of ways right now because there's just no cap space. They've called me about one of my players and said, hey, this is where we are now. And until we get something big done, hint, hint, and I think what he's meaning there is a new contract for Rodgers, we don't have any space. It's kind of like a lose-lose situation right now. That's what's surprising to me is you'd think there would be a middle ground situation to get something done. Chris, you have the more juicy take here from the standpoint of if they can't get it done, Key says it's going to get done and common sense would prevail it gets done. This is Aaron Rodgers after Mm -hmm. all. That um, you can start putting the expiration date on Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers being together. 
Well, Zubin, I'm just reading the tea leaves. Last year in the NFL draft, the Packers used a first-round pick on a quarterback to be the successor for Aaron Rodgers. This offseason, they tried to rework Aaron Rodgers' cap number and that bonus that was due to him in March, and they weren't able to come to common ground on that. So Mm -hmm. I'm just looking at everything that the Packers have been showing me. Knowing that Aaron Rodgers is going into the season with no more guaranteed money on his contract, and you got to think, or you got to start to wonder, at what point do the Green Bay Packers start to seriously consider moving on from Aaron Rodgers and going with the young guy, Jordan Love? I mean, at some point, that is going to happen. Aaron Rodgers is not going to play for the Green Bay Packers forever. And so I feel like this is Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst, their general manager. The, they're trying to make sure that they maintain the ability to go year to year for Aaron Rodgers. So when you see that decline in production, they're able to move on from him with very little to no consequence. Can't, Canty is, is, is right to a degree. Um, there will be no decline anytime soon. Decline starts in five, six, seven years from now. Mm. I mean, I'm giving him basically a whole nother career. Mm-hmm. Um, Didn't play for the first four, right? So yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and you just look at – it's dude's the MVP, man. Right. You know, uh, when you look at his finances – Cap number-wise, I think his number's around $37 million in cap. But the real money, the cash money that's going to his pocket is about a little less than $15 million. Mm-hmm. He ain't playing for $15 million this year. Not going to happen. Just not. It, you just gave Dak Prescott how much? $75 million in the first year with and, 66 as the signing. And bonus. you think Aaron Rodgers and his agent and his new fiance, they don't know that? He's not going to play for that amount of money. Plus, when you talk about the Jordan Love situation, they drafted somebody they don't even like. They don't even like Jordan Love. They drafted him. Then they look and was like, oh, it. With a sh- in front of it, right? I mean, it's like, wow. We got this dude we drafted. That's not the guy. Everything coming out of Green Bay says he's not the guy to replace Aaron Rodgers. So why would they move on from Aaron Rodgers with that type of success? You, you, you move on from Aaron Rodgers if you want to. And he goes somewhere, and all of a sudden he wins a couple championships. You, that's a kiss of death for you in your career as a general manager and a head coach. You think he's got a chip now. Exactly. Right, you put him- <laughs> but, I mean, this is not the same as Brett Favre. I know a lot of people want to compare – because they drafted Aaron Rodgers and then Brett Favre mm-hmm. and then and, and, and now Jordan Love, it's not the same. Why is it different? Because one, Favre was at the end, basically, at the time that they moved on from him. He was at the end. And he was kind of one foot in, one foot out. Yeah, he had a mm-hmm. great run in Minnesota that took them to the NFC Championship game. Right? I mean, he did. But that was that one year, and then all of a sudden, it was pretty much over with. But he had one foot, oh, I don't know what I want to do one week. Oh, I think I'm going to play the next. Oh, I don't know. I got to talk to my family the next. So when you're doing that, the team said, you know what, man, never mind. We're going to move on. We got a guy that we like and we trust and we believe in. And Aaron Rodgers proved that. But it all boils down to the money, though, can't he? Mm-hmm. You know as an NFL guy, he's not going to play for less than $15 million. It's just not. Yeah, his base salary is fourteen point seven million dollars. Yeah, and then people always oh, get some incentives up to twenty. No, no, he's not. When that other dude playing for fifty. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, Key, especially with him coming off of an MVP caliber season. Exactly. But, but at the same time, you, you feel like if they were going to get a deal done this offseason, 
it probably would have better served the organization and the team if they got it done before the start but of the agency. So you have more flexibility with your cap to be able to add some pieces but that's not what to, they help, do. to help your quarterback compete at the highest but level. But that's just not, I understand Green that's not Bay. I understand that's not what they do historically, but you look at the team that beat them in the NFC Championship game, they went all in with free agents, draft picks, and everything else in order to support Tom Brady so they could win at the highest level. You don't think that Aaron Rodgers is looking at the contrast and how they're handling that quarterback versus how he's being treated with the Packers? I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure he's probably looking at it, though, Canty, but based on the organization, they're not into the free agent market. That's just not who Green Bay as an organization is. They well, like Ted to Th- build Ted Thompson wasn't into free agency, but their new general manager a couple of years ago went out and spent big in free agency. He went out and got Adrian Amos. He went out and got Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. So it's not like – No, they, this, they this, have gone out in free agency. This front office hasn't people. changed up a little bit in recent years. No, but they've signed people even under Ted Thompson. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Ron Wolf. they went and signed guys, but it hasn't been – we're going to go and get all of these players like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to make a run at a Super Bowl. That just hasn't been their philosophy as long as I've known. Yeah, they signed Reggie White many years ago. That was a cornerstone for Ron Wolf. Then eventually they went and got a Charles Woodson in one Super Bowl. But it's just not something that they do every single year. It's almost like the New England Patriots. New England did it this year because they had to. Right. But that's just not – with certain certain programs, their philosophy and organizations just don't do it. And I respect what the Green Bay Packers have done with their program because they're consistently competitive. But, I mean, if you're ever going to go all in on Aaron Rodgers, isn't this the time to do it? I mean, isn't this the time to do it? I mean, you drafted his successor last year in the first round. It feels like you know the end is closer than a lot of other people outside the organization man, they better believe, pay that, it man. Is, believe it is. So my point is this. Why not go all in with him this year? Why not try to get a deal done and, and, and convert some of that base salary into signing bonus so you have cap flexibility? I, to me, that would be something that they should have done earlier this offseason. Again, because if they're going to address the contract, it doesn't serve them to do it on the eve of the regular season kicking off. It would have been better served had they done it early March. But they want to sign their own guys that they need to sign. They're going to they're gonna redo Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers' deal is probably hard to do. I mean, it, it, it's easy to do, but at the same time, it's hard to do because there's a, so much money that you got to give him on the guaranteed side. The years matter. All of those sort of things. Plus, you got to look at other players that's coming up two and three years from now. If you commit a certain amount of dollars to Aaron Rodgers today, how does that affect you two years from now when there's somebody, when there's a, a, a Devontae Adams that you've got to now address and say, well, if I'm giving Aaron Rodgers this, we've got to factor in Devontae Adams is going to want that or somebody else on the offensive line is going to want this and this guy. So they got a lot of work ahead of them. But I honestly, as I said, doing last season, uh, that Aaron Rodgers will have a deal done at the beginning. By the time they start the season, he'll have a new contract. Let me ask you this, Chris, because you kind of brought up the new regime in Green Bay. So the new general manager, Brian Gutekunst, who's been there for a couple years, obviously they have a new head coach in Matt LaFleur. How much of this could just simply be, and I I agree with Key, I mean, he's got great football left. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's arguably coming off the best regular season of his career at this advanced age, quote-unquote advanced age. But how much of it is just simply the Packers doing to Aaron Rodgers what, in a sense, they did to Brett Favre, which is to say, just a reminder who the hammer and the nail in this relationship is. As great as you are, as great as number four was, and as great as number 12 is, 
there will be a day where somebody else is going to walk into Lambeau and they'll have the next quarterback's jersey on. And by the way, when you're gone, we'll still be here, meaning the Packers will still be here. How much of this is just organizationally saying, I understand a great quarterback is almost bigger than the franchise, especially in today's NFL. But how much of this is simply the Packers saying, hold on a second. We did it with Brett Favre. It worked out okay because we got you. And we will do it to you because we know it worked once. It can work again. Just a reminder, we sign your checks. We're the organization. You're the quarterback. Is there a message there? No, I don't think it's as much about the Green Bay Packers trying to send a message to Aaron Rodgers as it is about the organization not wanting to be stuck holding a bag with the quarterback that can't play up to the level that his contract, his pay scale would suggest. The Green Bay Packers don't want to be in the same situation the Pittsburgh Steelers are in right now when they're paying Ben Roethlisberger a lot of money and they're not getting that kind of production. They want to make sure that they have a succession plan in place. And in order to keep that intact, I think they want to go year to year with Aaron Rodgers, which is why they don't want to convert that signing bonus, that base salary into signing bonus, and push guaranteed money in the future years. I think that's where the genesis of this 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 issue is from. That's where that's the point of contention between the player and the organization. Now, just to make my position perfectly clear. Mm-hmm. I absolutely think they should extend Aaron Rodgers because he is playing at a whole nother level. He's been all world the last couple of years. I don't think they should be looking to move on from him. But it's clear to me the organization being hesitant to give Aaron Rodgers a new deal to rework his contract, that, that has to do with them believing that the end of that relationship is a lot closer than a lot of people want to believe. No question about it. So what should we believe about the Falcons at four where many people think the draft begins? And what should we believe about the curious slide of Justin Fields as the draft creeps closer. We'll talk about that with Mr. Monday Night Lou Riddick right after this Sports Center update. Dribble drive. Curry goes in, drives the layup, it's up and good. And there he is, Stephen Curry. Now the all time leading scorer in Warriors franchise history. He shines brighter than the Big Dipper as he passes Wilt Chamberlain into history. That's on 95-7, the game. Anytime you're passing Wilt to Stilt, that does certainly mean something on the career scoring list. Curry filled it up. He's having a great, great season. He's been banged up a couple times, but he scored 53 Warriors over the Nuggets last night, 116-107. With all due respect to Steph, the biggest story coming out of the game might have been the left knee injury suffered by the Nuggets stud, Jamal Murray. You may recall he was coming back after missing four games with a right knee injury, MRI scheduled. We'll see what happens with Murray. Huge part of Denver's hopes of getting to the NBA Finals for the first time. We mentioned this at the top of the 7 o'clock Eastern hour. The Minnesota Twins, the Timberwolves, and the Wild all had games in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area either yesterday afternoon or in the evening. Those games were postponed in the wake of the shooting of Dante Wright, a 20-year-old black man shot in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, a town of 30,000, about 10 miles north of where Derek Chauvin is on trial right now in the killing of George Floyd. All of those organizations, along with the Minnesota Lynx and the Minnesota Vikings, put out statements offering their sympathy and condolences to the family of Dante Wright. (laughs) Julian Edelman has officially retired from the NFL. Foxborough forever. By the way, we're asking this morning if he's a Hall of Famer. Some people say it's an open and shut case. Um, What's your thoughts? Hit us up. 888-SAY-ESPN is Edelman in the Hall of Fame, KJZ, on Twitter. Three Super Bowls, a Super Bowl MVP, only Jerry Rice has more yards receiving 
and catches in the postseason when it matters the most, right? Key Sports Center brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No comment. It's time for some Straight Talk. Cutting your wireless bill in half feels good. Home run in the ninth good. Straight Talk offers 25 gigs of high-speed data for 45 bucks a month, up to 50% less than the other guys on America's best network. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. That's Bart Scott on the end. That was Mike Greenberg at the top. Green, you should use that line. It might come in handy for him on April 29th. I know where he's going to be that night. We'll be watching him host the NFL draft. And right there alongside the way providing the best analysis will be Lou Riddick of ESPN's Monday Night Football. Of course, you know Lou is a former league executive as well. So this is just great to get his insight because you really want to know what's going on at the highest levels of every organization. Good morning, Lou. Everybody says the draft starts with four. If it's going to be Lawrence and Wilson and whoever the 49ers take, and then the Falcons can do a myriad of things. So what would you do if you held the fourth pick and you were the Falcons? Look, I'm, I'm, I'm oftentimes, you know, accused sometimes of being, you know, a little bit conservative, but I, I think the long term is really what Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith have to be conscious of. And the long term, and when I mean long term, I'm talking about making sure they take care of the quarterback position. And I think you can't just assume that there's always going to be a fresh pipeline of quarterbacks coming down the pike in the future to where you could push off not making that decision this year, especially if you have a good fit for your system, a great fit for your system, as a matter of fact, sitting right there staring you in the face and you feel as though he represents tremendous value relative to everyone else on the board. So who does that lead me to? Look, if Mac Jones is in fact number three for San Francisco, then when you watch Trey Lance play at North Dakota State and you watch what he was responsible for at the line of scrimmage and you watch the kind of personnel groupings that they used, pre-snap shifts that they used, uh, motions that they used, play-action passing game, drop-back passing game, you would think Arthur Smith was calling the place for North Dakota State in 2019. That's what you would think. And then when you go up there and you watch him, pl- watch him throw the football, if you were there to watch him throw the football on his pro day, you would sit there and go, and I was at both his pro day and Justin Fields, and I love them both. These guys are special individuals. They're special individuals talent-wise. They're special individuals from a character and makeup perspective, and I would have a hard time passing on him. Now, I know, look, Kyle Pitts is a freak. There's no doubt about that, and I don't say that lightly. I say that for, as, as a guy who's 6'5", almost 250 pounds, or will be 250, 255 pounds by the time he fills out his frame and can run sub 4'4 and be the kind of deployable weapon that he is, it'd be hard to pass on him too because you would think, look, if, we, if Matt Ryan can play for at least two or three more years, we've got some things going on here. If we go ahead and draft this young individual, we have some things that we could do from a weaponry standpoint and put defenses in a bind in ways that maybe nobody else in our division can put people in a bind, considering the type of athletes that we have on the perimeter. So I understand the pull and the attraction of drafting someone like that. But look, Matt Ryan can't play forever. There were many people who believe as though Matt Ryan's better days are behind him. I don't happen to be one of them. And I think that you know a guy like Trey Lance sets them up for the next 8, 9, 10, possibly 10 years if everything goes well. So I'd be more inclined to draft the quarterback but I understand the pull and the draw of drafting someone who's as dynamic as Kyle Pitts. Lewis, when you talk about these quarterbacks, all fall, all college playoffs, we had Trevor Lawrence at one, Justin Fields at two. Now there are people that are setting the narrative that Justin Fields has slipped mm-hmm. to maybe the four or five mm-hmm. spot. I mean, is this just, I don't know, pre-draft gossip? Can you tell me what has happened? Yeah, 
Yeah, man. I, I think a lot of times what, what you're hearing is really you don't hear any NFL GMs. You don't hear any decision makers. You don't hear any people who are in these, you know, in these decision rooms saying that Justin Fields has slipped. You just hear talk. You hear talk. You hear rumor. You hear innuendo. You hear stuff that quite honestly, flies in the face of some of the things that I've heard. And look, I talked to Justin Fields' head coach. I talked to Ryan Day for 30, 45 minutes before his pro day. And he would love to know where this kind of thing is coming from. He would love to know why this, where this talk of Justin Fields slipping is coming from based on some of the things that you hear and some of the accusations that you've heard lobbied, you know, about him and about his, you know, character, not, not character, but as far as his commitment to the game and all that other nonsense. So I don't know where necessarily it's coming from. And then when you start looking at the tape, yeah, are there, are there things that Justin Fields needs to continue to work on? Yeah, just like Trevor Lawrence, just like Zach Wilson, just like Mac Jones, there's things that he needs to work on. They won't deny you that. But as far as this other stuff about, well, he is the guy who is slipping because of X, Y, or Z, that's just BS. That's just talk right now. Mm. That's all that is because that has not been substantiated and or approved by anybody who truly would know who Justin Fields is. Let me, let me just put it this way to you, Keyshawn. Let's put it this way. Any... Do you, I mean, do people realize that there were no scouts who went into Ohio State this year? There were no scouts that went anywhere. There were no, the scouts saw Justin Fields for the first time the same time I did, which was standing right there at the pro day. I was closer to Justin Fields than the scouts were. I was actually out on the field. And, and quite honestly, a lot, you know, there was only like, what, there's only allowed to be two or three representatives from each team at each pro day. I was, close, I was closer to him and probably spent more time talking. To, well, as a matter of fact, I know I spent more time talking to the head coach than maybe anybody else did because I know that for a fact. So where all this stuff is coming from, look, man, you take it with a grain of salt. You let it go in one ear and out the other. And unless you have heard it from the horse's mouth and or you have some real credible people, meaning Ryan Day or Brian Hartline or anybody else who out there at Ohio State has been around this young man, and all you're doing is you're just feeding into this fire, into this BS storm that, that really is the pre-draft run-up process, and you just kind of let it play out. Well, Lewis, you're going to love my question because I'm going to ask you about another one of those draft rumors. Ever since the 49ers made that trade up to three, Mac Jones has been rumored to be the guy. And Adam Schefter, you know he's close to the Shanahan family. He's been one of the people sure. that's been front and center saying that Mac Jones is locked in with that number three overall pick with the 49ers. So what makes Mac Jones the right fit for Kyle Shanahan's offense over the other quarterbacks that we're assuming are going to be on the board? You know what? If they wind up picking him, Chris, I'll say this. What makes him the right fit is because Kyle said so. That's what makes him the right fit. And here, here's what's interesting. So many people are yelling at Kyle, at, at Kyle Shanahan. rather. So many people are yelling at him and telling him, well, Mac Jones isn't the best fit for your team. Justin Fields is or Trey Lance is. But, and if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I'll be sitting there going, it's my offense. I'll tell you what the right fit is for my offense. I designed it. My dad designed it before me. I'll tell you what is right for me. And I know exactly what I'm looking for. You guys know what you think you're looking for in terms of my offense, but I like maybe what I see in him. And I'll tell you this, I would not discount, obviously, what Adam Schefter and or Chris Mortensen say about what the 49ers or any team is going to do. Because we all know this, there is nobody more plugged in than those two men. They know, people talk to them, people give them information. For whatever reason, Adam has this, you know, hypnotic power over people where they just tell him what he wants to hear. They tell him exactly what they're going to do and you should probably believe it until he tells you something different. What they like about him though, Chris, is they like his decision making and accuracy. Point blank. That's what they like. That's what everybody likes about Mac Jones. That's what every quarterback coach who you talk to 
who has done anything significant in this league will tell you it comes down to those two things. Can he make good decisions and can he throw the football accurately? That's how quarterbacks lose football games. They make bad decisions and they don't throw the ball accurately. They put it somewhere where the receiver has to adjust, make it hard for him, or they throw it in the coverage. It gets tipped off, tips and overthrows. We understand as a defensive player, we feast off of those things. That's how teams lose football games. They believe Mac Jones won't do that for them. They believe that that's what they need in order to get them over the hump. And if they do, go ahead and draft him. If they think it's Justin, go ahead and draft him. If they think it's Trey, draft him. But for us to sit and tell them what's the best fit for their offense, I think that's laughable. You were boots on the ground. You've got it there. April 29th can't come fast enough. Lou, I know you got to run to Sports Center. Thanks for grabbing a few minutes with us this morning. You bet. Thanks, guys. And uh, one thing I know Lou knows and I would just quickly mention is uh, when Mike Shanahan was coaching the Denver Broncos, it's a, it's a little egotistical, but uh, when they were putting together those offenses in 97 and 98, which yeah. was you know, unbelievable, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they called Shanahan the mastermind. So we'll see if his son has indeed found his own mastermind, moving up to three and getting the guy that everybody says can't work. He says, you're still not sold, will. Key. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, Zubin is a Denver Bronco fan. In 98, he referenced when we lost them in AFC Championship game. Didn't so bring, I gave him the side eye. Sorry to bring that up. On the way, <laughs> the most intriguing teams in 2021. Key's real rankings are back after he's got this from Granger. For all the ones who get it done, Granger is always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 24-7 support, free access to product specialists and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call 1-800-GRANGER, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Breaking Rockets. news from ESPN's Adam Schefter. The Jets are trading quarterback Sam Darnold to the Panthers. So what does today's move mean for Carolina? What it means is that Sam Darnold is going to be their starting quarterback. They're going to pick up the fifth-year option. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Here during the break, but I don't have enough zeros or commas to be a part of that discussion. <laughs> Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests appear on the Goodyear hotline. That music means football talk, and it's Key's Real Rankings are brought to you by... Uh, 
Merrill Guided Investing. Visit MerrillEdge.com slash investing goals. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner, and Smith Incorporated. They're a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor member, SIPC. Today's topic, keys, six most intriguing teams heading into 2021. Half dozen. All right, Key, take it away. I think when you look at intriguing, you got to look at teams that made some moves in the offseason, starting with the Carolina Panthers. They took what the Jets didn't want in Sam Donald. You get Sam Donald paired with Robbie Anderson and some of the talent that they have over there, Chris, a healthy Kristen McCaffrey back, a defense that's solid and sound, and a young coach who knows what to do from an offensive standpoint. I think you're going to see the number three pick that the Jets selected in Sam Donald thrive. What if the Carolina Panthers – or playing in the NFC Championship game. How would the Jet fans feel then? Mm. At number, number five. The, the number five is the, the, the Arizona Cardinals. I know I've been on the Red Sea a little bit throughout the last couple of years and talking about what they have capable of doing under Cliff Kingsbury along with Kyler Murray at the quarterback spot. But here's an interesting one. You talk about moves in the offseason. They went out and signed J.J. Watt because they feel like Watt can bring something to the table to that defense that certainly needs to bolster up some pass rush, as well as stopping people in the run on the edges. So when you think about that, DeAndre Hopkins offensively is there. Kyler Murray needs to take another step. It's a tough division that they're going to be playing in with the Rams and the Seahawks and the 49ers. But if anything, this offseason for them is a make or break. Number four. At the fourth spot. America's team. This is a team that we always talk about, the Dallas Cowboys. The big money that was spent on Dak Prescott. Everything is in place now. There's no more contract issues with anybody. Amari Cooper, Lawrence, you now got Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott. What are the Cowboys going to do? A new defensive coordinator. You don't have any problems. Gus Brett, nothing. Everything's good. Let's see what they do. Dan Quinn is now their new defensive coordinator. Let's see what the Cowboys do. Number three. Number three are the Cleveland Browns. Now, it's interesting because they have an opportunity to win this division with a down Baltimore team that lost players in free agency as well as a Pittsburgh team that's lost players as well as an older quarterback coming back. We don't know what it really is. It was a lot of talk in the offseason that he wouldn't be there. He resigns with them. Now, all of a sudden, the Cleveland Browns are in the hunt for Jadavion Clowney to pair him with Miles Garrett. You got that mix on the defensive side of the ball. We know what the offense is. Baker Mayfield, can he take another step to get them beyond the second round of the playoffs? Number two. The New England Patriots. You scratch your head, you smile, you wonder why is New England even in this? Man, the New England Patriots could have won 11 damn games last year doing what they did on offense with a lack of playmakers at all. Defense was kind of eh at times. Cam Newton was eh, but good enough that they signed Cam Newton and brought him back when I would probably say, Canty, 80% of America felt like Cam Newton was washed and did not yep. want to see him in New England. But Bill mm-hmm. Belichick and Josh McDaniel said, you guys are fools. We know what we have. We're re-signing him. We're going to spend big money in free agency, and we'll be right back in the damn playoffs and winning the AFC East. Number one. The number one team for me, and this is the only reason, quarterback switch. We were supposed to have 18 quarterbacks switch in the the offseason. So far, I think three or four have only switched. Now you look at Jared Goff going over to Detroit. You now have Matthew Stafford replacing 
Jared Goff in Los Angeles. That was the problem. Sean McVay, everybody, oh, Jared Goff, we would win more games if we had a better quarterback. Well, guess what? You made an offseason move to get a better quarterback. This is an intriguing story. But a lot of people forgot that the defensive staff is no longer. There's a new guy in charge in Raheem Morris calling the defense. It's not the same as before. They've gone through two different defensive coordinators in two years now in Ramsville. So we'll see what they're all about when the season starts in September. And, Chris, what we love to do when Key gives his real rankings or any, or any rankings is we like to ask, you know, if Jay was here, and obviously you're in his stead today, Key gave us six compelling Jay's teams. Jay's on maternity leave. <laughs> paternity <laughs> leave, right? <laughs> um, Key miss anybody out there that you would have said, like, I don't know, man. Have you thought about this team? I mean, every, honestly, every team could – like, I would put Jacksonville in there, to be honest with you. you know? Yeah, just with the Urban Meyer experiment, yeah, I mean, seeing whether he can make the transition from being a college coach to a pro coach. Some coaches have been able to do it, some not. But I think Key's list is pretty solid with that one, Zoo. And I think the two teams right there in the middle – the number two team with the New England Patriots and the number three team with the Cleveland Browns. Those are teams that everybody's going to be paying attention to. Everybody's going to be watching. With Bill Belichick, he doesn't go out and, and get involved with the expensive part of free agency. So to see the spending spree that they went on to address both the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball, to see if he can get back to having that high level of success without Tom Brady, I think that's going to be one of the biggest storylines in 2021. And then, of course, Baker Mayfield. Can he take that next step? Can he put the Cleveland Browns in position where they're competing for this division? We already saw them get into the playoffs and actually win a playoff game. I think the next thing for them to do is assert themselves as the preeminent team in the AFC North. And so I think that's going to involve the evolution of Baker Mayfield as a passer, not just being a guy that can do a lot with a lot of weapons around him, but being able to elevate the talent around him. On the way, everybody says the draft starts at four at the Falcons. Mel Kuyper Jr. says they might be trading that pick. To whom his draft next? 